friends, you're listening to Make Out Already, a romance novel podcast that just had its first birthday. Yes, we have been doing this show for one year, and we are so grateful to you for listening, for supporting us, for rating, reviewing, for following us on Instagram, for letting us share something that we really love with you, and we hope that we have given you even a little bit of the joy that doing this show has brought to us. On this episode, which is extremely not safe for work, even more so than usual, we have the wonderful Melody from Heaving Bosoms back to talk about one of all three of our favorite subjects, which is Ruby Dixon and her cuckoo banana pants alien shenanigans. We are going to get into every sticky, icky detail of her alien masterpiece when she purrs. Spoilers ahead. (laughs) Hi, friends. We are back with Melody from Heaving Bosoms, who I'm very, very excited. I didn't scare off with my stand behavior. (laughs) First time. (laughs) <laughs> Not even close. What are you talking about? <laughs> how are you? I'm pretty okay, is how I am right now. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> That's okay. the best that you can. Are you pandemic fine? Are you pandemic not fine? It's okay if it's pandemic not fine. Listen. I vacillate. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Men drinking right now. Mm-hmm. As you should. Mm-hmm. As you should. Yeah, I'm here from Heaving Bosoms. Very exciting. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad I didn't scare you off with my crazy. (laughs) We were so excited. Your brand of crazy is my brand of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite brand. I I actually am drinking this time. This is coffee with cream of coconut and rum and amaretto because Mm. I need some liquor for the number of times that I'm going to say jizzing in this recap. (laughs) You guys, I have so many deep heart feelings about this book. Heart feelings. (laughs) This is all of my catnip. This is one of the books I read over hiatus. And it is. It's literal catnip. This book has everything. So before we get into it too far, I just want to like brag on my outfit right now, which has leopards all over it. I felt felt that that was very appropriate to what we're going to talk about today, which is very nice. When she purrs, Ruby Dixon. I was purring during this book. (laughs) (laughs) So did you read it recently or how did you, I guess it only came out last year, so it had to be pretty recent. So I read it in January when we were off um, because I, I got I got mired in a very deep Dixon hole. Mm-hmm. And um, it was this book. I read the entire Corsair series. I read mm. the entire Rizdiverse series. I, I read all of it. Um, and actually, I found the Rizdiverse series because of y'all. It was one of the options we might have recapped before. And I was like, hold on, what's a Rizdiverse? So... I read all of that. Like it, it was, it was a lot. Um, and then this week I revisited 
and I'm like just so happy about it. <laughs> it was it was once again everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> Did it hold up upon rereading when you no longer when you knew the banana pants that oh, was coming? Yeah. Completely. It was like it was like stepping into a warm bath, you know? <laughs> In a very big gladiator's tub. <laughs> It was like stepping back into the shower of love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh there is God. so much that I loved about this book, too. And I kept going back and forth listening to it on audio because our boy Mason Lloyd was back mm. for this one. I love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he can get it. <laughs> I imagine right. Mason Lloyd to be a stern brunch daddy. I have okay. devoted more than a little bit of time trying to find a picture of Mason Lloyd. <laughs> Is there one? No, at least not that I can find. I found one of Holly Jackson who narrated most of the Ice Planet bar- or all of the Ice Planet Barbarian series. Loved her voice. So I found a picture of her because I was just super curious but I couldn't find one of him. So you can just fantasize He's away. He's like corpse husband. Okay, like I I know you tried to explain like, it to me. Like a what? I can't like wrap my... husband. What? What's a corpse husband? Corpse husband is this faceless YouTuber. And okay. But what does what, horror movie? What does that mean? What does it mean? What does faceless YouTuber? It mean? means that we've never seen his face. Okay. He okay. only has an avatar. Okay. That he okay. Shows. So no one has that. There's like three YouTubers who have seen his face IRL. He like was wearing a mask out in the world pre-pandemic. He's. He just doesn't want to. There are no pictures of him in the internet from before he was a YouTuber. He's just like terrified of people seeing him. And wow. he narrates horror content and does let's plays of Among Us, which I don't do video games, so I've n- never played it. You're saying uh, a lot of things that I don't know what they mean. <laughs> yeah, feels really, I know really I old. I know I do. And he is a musician and he has that song that if you've been on TikTok it's like choke me like you hate me but you love me low key that one you heard that I do I love that I've never heard it's it called, but I love it E girls are ruining my life and <laughs> I will send you the link on Spotify later he has a very yes, deep voice he's known for his very deep voice which is why people thirst after him despite not seeing the face <sighs> love wow. it but I've gotten completely sidetracked. Uh, do we want to jump into the very long <laughs> recap? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So on RISDA 3, which is a planet that's basically in the outer rim of Ruby Dixon's universe of the Dixon Hole. Yeah. Uh, formerly abducted, formerly enslaved human women who didn't end up on Not Hoth are given dinky little farms so they can start over. Kim is one of these women. She has a farm where she grows noli, a flower that is an aphrodisiac for Praxians, who are these cat people aliens. Melody, how do you picture the Praxians? Hot. (laughs) How cat-like are they? Are we talking a little chess? Are we talking like Wolverine and X-Men? Or are we talking like they have a a little cat nose, little snap? I think they have a more humanoid nose, but a full cat mouth. Full cat mouth. She says that many a time. Um, I think that they've got like the the you know the upright diamond sort of eyes you know like that shape mm-hmm. that the cats have. I think they've got those kind of eyes. Um, I think that the ears are 
fairly cat like and then he's got mm-hmm. the full he's got the full mane like a lion and mm-hmm. then he's got like the chest hair too that's also very fuzzy but then when you get down to the abs 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 it's um <laughs> And like the bicep region, that is more like velveteen than it is furry, you know? Okay. I had a really, and then really the dick hard is a time. Dick. Yeah, the dick is a dick, but I think that but the... It, um, isn't it? I, I, no, 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 no. They used to have barbs, but they take right. them off. Thank you okay. very right. much. For humane because, reasons. <laughs> right. And um, it, it gets an angry purple like a real right. like a real deep purple because his fur is all gray right right and so his i think like you know his dick is still like the grayish color yeah. of the of yeah. like the bicep region you know but again the velveteen i so. think we get a little more um fur in that region too based on the description. oh he's, and he's the, got a bush. The fluffy tail yes. the fluffy tail <laughs> we oh can't forget gosh. that he yes. preens and combs you have I to have brush such... your hair, your brush your tail for your mate. <laughs> I appreciate a man who grooms Groups. himself. Yes. Yeah. I was like, this is getting into fan casting just a little bit, but I was like trying to envision what the cat people look like. And so at first I, I was I was stuck on those horrible like CGI enhanced people from cats, the movie yeah, that I flopped. knew you were gonna say that. I just kept picturing James Corden as a cat whenever I tried to think <laughs> oh, no. oh no, oh no. So then I tried to think of Black Panther, but he's not like furry. And so then I settled on Beast from Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna lean into this. That could All right. maybe work. I like it. <laughs> Whatever gets you there, you know? (laughs) Okay, so back to this RISDA situation, okay? This, okay, Mm -hmm. so RISDA 3, it's, I read the whole series, and at first, it's made to sound like it's this big humanitarian situation, and it kind of is, because there's this lordling of a moon or something. He's um, Misaka, and he has decided to, um, like, buy or collect um slave women um okay wait he's decided to yeah like buy and collect and then like if they if they escape from somewhere they can come to rizda and formerly enslaved women can like it's very reconstruction like it's it's very 40 Mm. acres and a mule you know, like they show up, they mm-hmm. get uh, so like a squatty house and some acreage and like a, a shitty little car situation and bots that are broken down. And he's like, farm, bitches, go ahead, live your lives in peace. But it's not actually peaceful because on these outer rim planets, they're basically just sitting ducks for people who want to like take their land. So they don't have any protection and it's not actually a really nice thing. It's better than being enslaved. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. That's that's my take on Rizda. Yeah. Do they talk about his motivation? So this is the only Rizdaverse book that I've read. What what is yeah. his motivation for doing this project? Okay. So he, sorry. <laughs> no, so please. He falls in love with a human slave um when he's like He's like at this lordling party, like he's at this place where he knows the lady wants to marry him and like join their houses and do the whole thing. And she gets 
this woman, I don't forget her name, for a different person because she like she um, researches everyone and she's like, I'm getting you this thing that you really, really like. And for him, it's like this oh, okay. um, these ruins on an island and she she buys him this island. And then for another guy, it's it's like a, a human slave. So it's not great. Mm-hmm. But he sees this lady and he's immediately taken with her. And it's very faded mates. And he's like, no, I don't want my present. I want that. And then instead of treating her like a slave, he treats her like his mate all weekend and everybody is very, very confused about it. And then he just fucks off Mm -hmm. and decides not to be a lordling anymore. And he lives on Rizda as well, but in a big giant mansion with his now wife. So then afterwards he was like, hold on. I love a slave now. So slavery is bad. Mm, I am. I have seen. Yeah. So it was a Bridgerton black people are okay situation. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a fairly good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh you said you also read the Corsairs book, right? The yeah. Corsairs oh, yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do the pirates yeah. in this book show up? Yes. In the Corsairs books. Yay! Or do they have okay. Corsairs book? And then I also read this other one. That's not called the Corsair series. It's called a totally different thing, but it's also about a band of pirates. So, yeah. But the Corsair series follow these brothers. I love the brothers. I love the brothers, too. Okay, so we covered how it's not the safest place, and she's scared she's going to get murdered for her land. And part of the reason she thinks that is because she has this creepy neighbor who keeps leaving her dead animals and jizzing on her door. Yeah, he's like leaving yeah. her animals with the throats ripped out on her on her front stoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's so, like, this is obviously a threat. He's coming for my land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like anyone with any human would think that. And like she said she had to take a whole day to clean the jizz off her front door. That's a lot of jizz, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's apparently it's apparently very very sticky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yikes. All day, right? It really So it's copious sticks to the target. And it won't come off. Right. (laughs) Which is hilarious later on in the book, but we'll Oh god. All right. So she realizes she needs oh man. She needs a marriage of convenience for protection. Yes. She's tried the alien tinders, the alien bumbles. She hasn't had any luck. She thinks that it's because she's mine and Melody's age, which makes her a withered old crone by Alien Sanders. Crone. Crone. So since she can't get a man off Alien Craigslist, she decides the next logical step is to hire a bounty hunter to kidnap her a man and then something, something, plan TBD, and then marriage. Uh, But no sex because she has all this trauma. And then the bounty hunter is Bathia, who is the chaotic bisexual Misaka of my dreams. Of my dreams. <laughs> Bathia hears this plan. She tells her, you have dumb bitch-itis. Give me your credits. I'm gonna find yeah. you a man. Oh, yeah. And who hears this conversation but her door-jizzing catman neighbor. And yeah. he's like, no, I have heart feelings for her. I yeah. love her. I have been trying to court me. her. Excuse me. I have I've already been slid playing in there. this long game. I marked my territory. All right. <laughs> I did that there shit. Was a hand motion. <laughs> yeah. 
that just happened. Oh, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, kidnap me and take me to her door. And she's like, I'll do that if you pay me more. <laughs> because Bethaya only speaks in monies. And I love her so much. Yeah, it's great. Bethaya's theme song would be, bitch better have my money. That's right. <laughs> she, that is all she wants and needs. I love it. So... Bethia is like, okay, yeah, I'll kidnap you. And she leaves him tied up and wrapped like a like a big present at Kim's door. And See, there's Kim a bow on like, him. Oh. There's a bow on him. <laughs> she puts a bow on him. I'm really sorry. <laughs> she takes the hood off and she's like, this is my asshole neighbor. I'm I'm gonna yeah. have to kill him now. He knows that I'm a kidnapper. Mm-hmm. I can't marry him. He jizzed on my door. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna have to kill him. Yeah, I have so, to. I have to murder him right up. She does. Yeah, uh, she does cuff him to his chair. Mm-hmm. She cuffs him to a mm-hmm. chair, so he's now trussed up like a like a lamb, and he's trying to pretend to be all woozy. He's like, "Oh, I've got a big wooze. Who I wear? <laughs> I got I? chloroformed." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's like, "Oh my god, I have to kill him!" But then he starts having a very odd reaction, which, like later on, yeah, he has a breather that protects him. He has like a catnip prophylactic that he uses, but he doesn't decide to do this for the kidnapping, mm. which makes yeah. no, not, not a lick of sense. But yeah. I mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> I love it. I wonder if it was to help keep up the kidnapping ruse that Bathia wouldn't have provided him with a ventilator. That's know, quite a bit of credit. One first impression, you know, <laughs> like, and coming in your pants over and over again. <laughs> uh, million times. Okay. It's not a great he, impression. No, it like <laughs> legit was became very gross. Yes. I so he has this like anaphylactic shock of horniness from these yes. noly flowers. It's like he overdosed on Viagra. Yes. Yes. So yeah. he's just like jizzing in his pants all he's night. Like Jason long from True Blood. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Like uncontrollably, like he's he's like literally suffering, but he can't stop coming. It is yeah. super glued to his trowel. <laughs> those pants need to be cut off him. Seriously, the next morning, his pants stand up on their own. Right? <laughs> like they are come over your leg. Yes. So he's sitting there and she like, so she like retreats to her bedroom and she's in there being like, oh, what should I do? How am I going to murder him right up? And then she falls asleep and she wakes up later to him being like, he keeps just humming over and over again and then like moaning in between. And so she goes out there. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, why are you torturing me? <laughs> like, she's coming and coming and coming. <laughs> and she can see this, the wet stain on his pants. Listen, Ruby Dixon. <laughs> Ruby Dixon introduced me to a trope that I did not know existed, but I love so hard. The first Ruby Dixon I ever read was Barbarian's Mate, which is um, Josie's book in the Ice Planet Barbarian series. Mm-hmm. And in that one... Um, Are you going to talk about the sex papoose? (laughs) Well, first of all, there is that there is that sex baby Bjorn that happens, of course, right? But there's all 
but there's also that scene where they're in the mothership and he like she she I don't know she blows on his ear and he just comes in his pants and he doesn't know what to do about it and he's so weird and then she like leaves him in there and he can't figure out how to get out because he doesn't know how like technology works and so he's just pounding on the door and coming in his pants and I, I didn't know I love a hero who comes in his pants so much but I need it I need it in like every third romance novel I read that was so one anyway, of she's our like, barbarians drinking game clues which uh, was like if someone's going to come in their breech cloth you have to drink yes. <laughs> Man, we'd be dead if we were here. So she goes out there and she's like, what do I do? I guess I put like a, like a, I don't know, a cloth on you. Ah." And she's like trying to nurse him through this basically. And he's like, I didn't know you hated me this much. Like this is actual torture. She doesn't know what that means. And then she realizes it's the Noli plant because she has it like, she has it like in her trash can. She has them on her table. Like they're decorating her mm-hmm. whole house. And right. yeah. So by the morning he's exhausted and it says like, it says like his talk is like this bruised eggplant or something <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> It's been through an ordeal, and it needs some aftermath. Wait, do you mean do you mean his warrior? Oh, his, his warrior. warrior. Yes. Uh huh. He refers to his dick as his warrior, and then she refers to it as his warrior. Oh, oh yeah. Oh no. Oh, it becomes the most hilarious dirty talk later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very cringe. So she she's like. Are you some kind of sex pervert? Like, why are you yeah, just coming you, in your pants? And she's like, and he's like, because of the fucking Noli. <laughs> and then she confronts him and is like, why, why are you harassing me? Why are you threatening me? He's like, I'm a cat. I was courting <laughs> you. I'm a cat. <laughs> I'm trying to do a big impress. I was bringing you presents yes. and showing you my prowess on the hunt. Like it's mm-hmm. actually he was adorable. His territory and so, to protect her. Yeah, because no Praxian's gonna come after her if he jizzes on her door. So now she's a bit confused because she's like, <laughs> "I was scared, and now he's just he's just coming all over his pants over and over again, and I want to help him, and he's in pain, and I don't like I was gonna murder him, but now I know I can't because I don't even like seeing him in pain." Mm-hmm. And then the next morning they chat and she's like this is terrible you know you're gonna like you're gonna turn me into the authorities and it doesn't really even matter because I need a husband anyway but I don't want to have sex with that husband because I was an enslaved woman for a really long time and I don't know what to do and so it says that he can't tell her all of his heart feelings because he doesn't want to scare her away but he agrees to marry her with no sex Mm-hmm. And uh, just to just to protect her, and they'll go from there, and it's adorable. And so they do get married, even though it's not his custom. He like breaks right. all of his rules and goes down to the place and forces them to marry them legally. And then they drive back to his house, and he says, "Kim, I have to, 
I have to make a big confession to you. And that is that while I agreed to sex or marriage without sex, I do hope that someday we can grow to be more. And it's this adorable, like very formal declaration. And I can't even. But then she sees his place and she's like, I'm a goddamn idiot. (laughs) Yeah. She thought that he was trying to get her land, but really he doesn't need it because he is of a billionaire farmer basically mm-hmm. he's a cajillionaire he's a king yeah all right he's yeah. a gladiator king everyone <laughs> and nobody's gonna come for him also back to him wanting her to feel protected he was able to break out of those stem cuffs like she the whole time he just stayed in them so she would feel safe he stayed in them continually jizzing in his pants <laughs> so yeah. she would not feel <laughs> yeah you're right the next morning she for he forgets that he's supposed to be like trussed up and at her mercy and so he just stands up and completely disintegrates the entire chair breaks the cuffs (laughs) no big deal and she's like you could have gotten away the whole time and he says i wanted you to feel safe Ah! it's very sweet (laughs) he's adorable all right so then This, the big chunk of this book is them getting comfy with each other and Kim easing into a sexual relationship with him because right. she has all this trauma. And one of the ways that they do that is with the cuffs because the cuffs made her feel safe. So even yeah, though yeah, she yeah, knows yeah. that he can get out of them, if he lets her cuff him, then she'll feel like she's in control. And he and uh, she suggests this to him. She's like, never mind. Uh, 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 gets all embarrassed. And he's like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And that's how she starts to become comfortable with him. And I love that so much. And he's so gentle with her. Yeah, she puts him in the shower and she's like, is it weird to handcuff a guy and then blow him? But like, that's what I'm doing. So here we are. (laughs) It's so cute. Uh, There's also some naked weapons training. There's a lot of card games and slapjack and meat pies none of these things are sexual euphemisms but they are all somehow very hot (laughs) so then this other bounty hunter comes along and he's looking for one of kim's previous suitors one of the ones who like came met her was like peace out and it turns out that the guy had been a slaver and nasak had killed him and buried him so nasak and bathaya dig up the body and like cut the guy's foot off because the bounty hunter just needs proof of like what happened to the guy. So if he turns in a foot, then he gets the credits and it's fine. There's no like investigation of his murder. Versus framing Kim for the murder since nobody likes humans anyway. So it's like, basically we have to dig up this body and cut the foot (laughs) off and send it back or let Kim go to jail or whatever the punishment would be intergalactically yeah so kim's kind of weirded out that he murdered some dude to protect her but also he did it to protect her so she's kind of like i guess i guess i have to be okay with that i also knew that he killed people before as a gladiator also he's naked when he digs up the body like oh right (laughs) (laughs) yeah he doesn't want to mess with his clothes man okay He spends a lot of money on his attire, Mm. I'm sure. So the thing I like about this is that she's weirded out by that, but she's not actually mad about him. Here's the thing about Kim. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. lives by the heaving bosoms rule, which is it's okay to murder if you've got reasons. Do you got reasons? (laughs) 
then if you're a romance hero, you can murder. Okay? That's it. (laughs) So she's fine with that. But the thing that is really, really pissing her off is that she's finding out that he's been Mm -hmm. lying by omission to her about a metric fuck ton of not only his backstory, but also their current situation. Um, So, like, yeah, I like the fact that the conflict in this is communication and not mm-hmm. him attempting to protect her and doing what is objectively the right thing. Right. Because she was going opinion. to be enslaved again if he didn't do that. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's but like I- she's been he's been trying to convince her that after all of the trauma and horrible experiences that she's been through that she can learn to trust and she's starting to open up to it only then to feel like she's been betrayed again. She's learning right. this from Bathia, not from Nasak. So yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it's a sticky situation. And I imagine it's very infantilizing for someone who had mm. their agency taken away from them for so long to then have someone be like, I can't give you information for your own protection. Mm-hmm. I don't trust mm-hmm. you enough to be able to handle this like a big girl. So Yeah, he's very paternalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh cultural uh clashes because mm. the Praxians behave a certain way that is not aligned with human customs like she's horrified to find out that families all sleep in the same big bed bowl thing mm-hmm. the pizza and bed. that they don't have blankets uh she uses him as a blanket there's a lot of her being drunk and being like come here kitty kitty <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable it's a so, bed oh no there's only one bed yes, i knew you would love that <laughs> yep this book oh, has everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then Bathia, in the third act, Bathia reveals that there's bounty on the sack. And he thinks that it's because he killed his slave master. Mm-hmm. But it's actually his parents who had sold him into slavery and they want information on him. So they all go with the pirates to meet his asshole bourgeois parents who just want an heir because the two sons they didn't sell into slavery are dead. They help Nasak's parents' human concubine escape. Uh, a total dumb non-conflict ensues with Kim saying that he should go with them because money and family and, and power. Yeah, and he he's like, I, I'm already rich and I've got my bitch and I don't need anything else and my parents are assholes. So, and, and she changes her mind anyway because she loves and She's like, I don't want you to marry some other woman. I want you to stay with me forever. You said forever. We are married. There is a contract. Uh, they yeah. bone. He's got a really big dick. The size of her lower arm, it says. Yeah. The size she, of his lower arm. She goes, did I feel like I was having my guts rearranged by a baseball bat? Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, there is Ooh. a thing as big dick fatigue, okay? <laughs> big is not always better. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So, in the second epilogue, they have another baby on the way, and Bathia is the chaotic auntie that I aspire to be. And uh-huh. that's the end. Wow, yeah. I have a question for you. Real serious question. Yeah. 
have you ever been 30 minutes into an episode and just got done with the with the recap? No. <laughs> that's where we no. are. <laughs> yeah. There was no way to keep this recap short. No, no way. Like just the first 10 minutes you know is what though? The set up to the pants jizzy. <laughs> no, we needed we needed every single moment of that glorious recap to really honor this glorious book and i am not being ironic you assholes i am very serious about their about this listener this is a glorious absolute triumph okay it is that's it it really is so the other one that I read, so I've read two Razorverse books. I read When She Dances before I read Love When, when she, she Dances. Burst. I love When I She love Dances. When she dances. Oh my God. <laughs> this one was like, I kind of compare it to, it's kind of like Tiffany's book in Ice Planet Barbarians, where there's a lot of emotional yeah. shit that has to be dealt Ooh, with yeah. for the relationship to progress. Yeah. As opposed to something like Liz's book, which is just shenanigans. Right. <laughs> Yeah, completely. But there was plenty of action in this too, which was always like, like I really liked the fight scene between Nasak yeah. and the second bounty hunter whose name I can't remember. Jamif. Yes. Jamif. Yes. I don't know. I just I kind of liked the even the non romantic scenes. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think we know how I feel about this book, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was so so good. So like Meg, if you have time to listen to the audiobook at some point, you should. I like the female narrator. She was a little huskier, a little sexier than I imagined, Kim. Hmm. Okay, so yeah. let's just, we've talked about this a little bit, but let's just say things that we love about the book. <laughs> you can't say all okay, of the can things. I tell you? can I tell you one scene that I loved that we skipped in the recap? Yes. yes. All right, let me set the scene for you, all right? He goes over <laughs> to her farm. To because the perimeter bots have gone off. Somebody's in her fucking farm and he will not have that because nobody's <laughs> going to come for his mate. So he goes over there. He gets in this big fight with Jamef, the the um, the other bounty hunter. This is the fight that she's talking about. They do a big fist of cuffs and then the he thinks he's going to get punched right in the schnoz, but instead this guy just takes off his breather so he gets no lead again. Oh my god. So he just about, like, he almost gets murdered because he's just like coming in his pants once again and he cannot protect himself from the blaster that Janet has pulled out thankfully Bathia comes in but here's where I here's where my favorite part happens so he goes he figures out how to get home and he's gonna stay in the barn because at this stage in their relationship they've had one um, they've had one day where she cuffed him and they did some sexy things. And then one day where they kept it really clean, but it was very companionable. They did a lot of activities together. And so there is this budding trust that he doesn't want to fuck up. And to honor that and make sure that he doesn't scare her, he decides to go be noly tortured alone in the barn. <laughs> but she finds him because she's like my blanket's gone what happened to my living blanket finds him in the barn and he's like no kim get away from me no i'm a scary man right now no i can't control myself no i won't even care about the cuffs get away from me, me. No. He, like, tries to, you. 
Yeah, he tries to white fang her hard. So, all right. So <laughs> she does go over to him and they start rolling around in the the straw or whatever. And she's like trying to coax him inside <laughs> to um, get in the shower and get some of the noli off. But in order to do that, he needs to dry hump her for a while. So, so that happens. And she digs it. She's loving it. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I... I love him. I know that I trust him. I'm all in. I'm all about this. I know that like, like he, she remembers the last Noli scene where he stayed cuffed the whole time, even though he could have Hulk smashed everything to pieces. So she's like, <laughs> you know what? No, I am. I am here. So she gets him inside. All right. And the only way she can convince him to get showered because he's like, you know, he's in it to win it now. It's on TM. <laughs> the only way she can convince him to shower is to, to, to promise him that she will ride his face for as long as he wants, however many times he wants. And that is very persuasive. So she gets him all clean, and then he takes her to bed, all right? And now here's where it actually gets to the good part. I know, listener, I know. You're saying to yourself, how could it possibly get better? I know, listener. Yeah, so he does, he does go down on her, all right? He does a big cunnilingus on her in that bed. Afterwards, he uh, he tells her like, oh no, um, but really though, oh she's like, what about you? Can I like jerk you off or something? And he's like, I've come twice just from going down on you. Don't worry about it. I've been humping on his bed. And then he he's like, but you need to keep your promise. And so he does lift her right onto his face. And then we get this quasi fade to black scene in which we are led to believe, and I believe it like start to finish. That as he's just going, as as he she's sitting on his face for hours, he's making her come and come and come and come and come. He is also coming with such velocity that he is painting her entire back with his jizz. She's covered in cum by the end of this. It's literally like he's not splattering on his on his belly or anything. There's like cum in sheets on her hair, on her back. It is everywhere. It just is shooting ribbons out of his giant monster cock. And then, and then they go to bed together and they just go to bed like crusty and sticky. And uh, everything about it was a goddamn masterpiece start to finish. <laughs> he, he's woken up because he moves and it unsticks herself from his tail. Yeah! <laughs> his tail gets stuck to her thigh. <laughs> Everyone. Also, okay? let's, let's talk about his cat-like tongue. Can we into it? Let's about talk that? about it for hours. <laughs> it's like it's like textured and like thin and like flexible a cat, a cat though no no i i got the i was worried it was going to be like a sandpapery situation but it, that's not the impression that they give no but it's wow. just a teeny bit more textured listen i love the cat tongue i think it's great the the oh man earlier a couple of months ago, we did a crossover with Smart Bitches where um, we talked about toxic desire. And in that alien sex book, it was a snake alien guy, a humanoid snake Whoa. alien. So he had one of those forked tongues that he could like yeah. do tornadoes around her clit. It was so <laughs> flexible. Ooh. You know what I mean? Do you have a toy recommendation that simulates that experience? I will think about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like a clip for actually, I 
I have a uh, yes, a clip. Oh, I really will think about it. No, later on, I'm going to give you a recommendation for a toy that um, because what blows her mind for him, she she hasn't thought. Obviously, she hasn't like had anyone care about her pleasure for a while. And before Mm. she was enslaved, she also didn't like have a great sex life I guess right um and so he's teaching her not only to use her voice and and you know retake her agency and tell him describe to him in great detail what she wants him to do but he's also pulling out moves that she didn't really know existed and one of those is that um he really likes sucking on her clit and I've got a toy Hmm. that will help you do that so (laughs) yeah nice so that's what I loved. What about y'all? What did you love, Meg? I liked that they had this shared history of both being enslaved that they could really like yeah. connect on and understand each other in a way that like oh, I'm trying to think of which one it was. It was Ellie Ellie's book of the Ice Ellie Planet. Ellie and Beck. Yeah. Ellie and Beck, yeah. where she has to like explain to him and it's like this whole thing that's very difficult because he doesn't see where she's coming from and like they don't have that barrier in this relationship like they understand that both of them had to do what they had to do to survive which I appreciate and then similar to the backstory here we have Ruby Dixon doing what she does which is taking a character that did something that's like pretty like objectively horrible like masturbating onto your door and like murdering somebody and dismembering them and then turning them into like someone who's so sweet and we love so much and we root for and we know that his like intentions are so pure she's just so good at like turning the tables on that kind of a situation yeah I completely agree with that I also really like that um that even though they had a shared so what I love about Ruby Dixon and the way that she handles enslavement in general is that I think she she goes for the less obvious things that that often become more impactful. So like hmm. in Beck's Beck and Ellie's story, for example, when she when Ellie is trying to explain to Beck like what slavery is and why it's hurtful and all of that. The first thing that comes to a lot of people's mind is like, you know, the abuse and the torture and all of that. And like that could have gotten incredibly dangerous and and harmful. You know what I mean? Like for the Mm -hmm. reader, that could have been really traumatic. But instead, what she focused on in that book was the idea of ownership and being an object, being Mm -hmm. objectified. And the way that that the way that that can really, really hurt a person. And in this book, I really liked that they had the shared, even though they had the shared language of having been enslaved before, they still had to work to understand their specific traumas. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't right. have sexual trauma, but he's able and and we still watch him work through how he can support her with hers. And then she sort of does the same thing by, you know, letting him be a little bit more protective, letting him train her to protect herself, even though she hates exercising, you know, Mm -hmm. she also helps him through his trauma of like, no, I'll, I'll make sure that, that I can be here for you in this very physical way too. I don't know. I just thought it was, it's always so well done. She's the best. I love that Nasak was so gentle 
when he had no reason, no mm. training to ever make him gentle. His parents oh, clearly did not care about him. He was the scourge of a scory prime because he would be extremely violent in the ring to distinguish himself. But his master, who did not pay him his wages like he was supposed to for his winnings, all he gave him was this plant. And the sack was like, I will take care of this plant as if it is my child. Mm -hmm. And when he was freed, he filled his home with these beautiful plants that he takes care of. And he's so, he's so loving and nurturing. conscientious yeah. with Kim and nurturing. And then when Kim sees a caterpillar on the plant, it reminds her of one of the aliens who sexually abused her. And she faints. She has this awful trauma response to it. And he's like, fuck these plants. I will yeah. burn these plants to the ground. <laughs> these plants have hurt you. Yeah. And he and it was And they've been his so one sweet. comfort. They've been yeah. the only thing that he was looking forward to when he was free. Like I'm going to fill wherever I am with beautiful plants. Mm-hmm. And and he's just and he doesn't want to own up to how gentle he is because later in the book she tells him something along those lines right. and he's like and she's like, okay, fine. You're merciless. You're uh-huh. so merciless. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're so strong and robust. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very funny. And and I just, I love Bethia so much. Oh my God, I love Bethia. I love her more than anything. She is, she's so self-aware about like (laughs) she just she loves the violence she loves the money she loves causing chaos she Mm -hmm. is an unabashed flirt she tells kim that man has the biggest dick i've ever seen (laughs) and you better get on that (laughs) it's so good good advice what i love about what i love about bethia is that even though she has like a very sunny personality, she is a pure chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does not, it does not matter. She will cross any line. She will do whatever she has to do in a situation. But she's just so gar- gosh darn charming while doing it. You know, ah, mm-hmm. oh, I just and love seeing her. her in the scene in the epilogue with the the triplets, where she like, oh my god, calls them her namesakes and is like so. They're not named after her. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's just she's like thing. it's so funny. <laughs> she's like Kim just can't pronounce Misaka words, so she tried her yeah. best to approximate. <laughs> Which I totally respect so her, funny. like her headcanon of the situation, and the fact that she like FaceTimes with these three-year-olds for an hour. Well, and so you think um, like okay, it just listens to every word they say. Yeah, and you're like, okay, she's uh-huh. gone soft. But then you hear that like on a previous video call, she's like told them stuff that's way too graphic for how old they uh-huh. are, and like it's caused bed wetting, and they can't sleep without crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's just perfect. The balance it's there, so cute. There was so much to love, but I do have a few things. Do you have that a grievance? I did not like. <laughs> 
Tell me. <laughs> Tell me everything. My main one is the one that you liked so much, Melody, which was like the Noli sickness. The Noli All sickness. The I found it incredibly <laughs> gross. Just like the way she was describing, like, he was already totally, his brow were soaked, plastered to him, but then he was like, oh, and like a fresh wet stain would show up. And then, like, he almost gets killed because he's coming uncontrollably. I just can't. I don't. And he's like, driving home, that scene in the barn, and he's like coming in the car while he's driving home. It's just so much. <laughs> Uh, see, this is where my chaotic good really makes an appearance. <laughs> like, I just I love that shit. That is so funny to me. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean it is funny. It really is, but it, it was a little, little nasty. But um, that's really good. Yeah, only yeah, it's objectively gross. Yeah. Other than like what you said, Liz, about that kind of like final conflict twist they tried to throw in at the end where she's like, go be with your family. And he's like, I don't want to, but I'll think about it. And then she's like, no, I changed my mind. And they're like, we love each other. Like, we knew that that was. And he was like, I was never going to leave. Yeah. And it's like, what was that whole conversation? Yeah. I don't know. That one. She needed to purr for him. Hello. Yeah, that pushed her over to the edge into the the metaphorical purring. She wanted but, he needed her to claim him, everybody. Okay? No, I'm just a stan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am a troll. <laughs> I am I am out of control right now. Your grievances are completely valid. Okay? I hear you. They're and valid, but Melody is like that's <laughs> told why, bitches? She told us. Okay? <laughs> it was important. That's emotional step, all right? God. But honestly, those are the only two complaints, which is, Liz I can attest, is very few for me. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I didn't. I didn't have one until Melody reminded me I, I don't like being sticky I shower at least twice a day and I work from home now I don't like I don't like the crusty I don't want to like whack someone's body with my thigh that's so funny so, so that's the only one it's so funny oh my god comedy trumps you guys <laughs> so- <laughs> An extraordinary amount of detail about the cum. (laughs) If you guys, if I wanted to truly, truly torture and traumatize Erin, I would make her read this book. (laughs) (laughs) She would not be able to handle it. What do you think is the uh, most traumatic for Erin book that you have? done on the podcast that we've done that we've done on the podcast other than that like pleasure one that you both hated for very intelligent reasons thank you thank you yeah we worked on that one that episode that episode was masterful (laughs) thank you wow trash yeah it was 
it was a lot. Um, yeah. I think, okay, I, I have a terrible memory, but I have, I have two and they both. <laughs> so one is mastered by her mates. <laughs> it was, I think our first <laughs> alien book we ever did. And is she, that the society built on double penetration? That's the one. Brilliant Prime. <laughs> thank you very much. It has a name. Um, so, <laughs> so that was definitely traumatic for her. But then also there's a specific scene in the red. And this is how I know this book would actually kill Aaron. There's a specific <laughs> scene in the red by Tiffany Rice, which is an amazing book. Everyone should read it. It is so, 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 so good. However, there's one scene in which a dude comes on her back and then she and then like flips her over and she lays on the bed like on like on her back. He just like flips her onto her back. And so she's like, he didn't wipe up the gum. She's just laying in gum right now. And like she couldn't handle even one jizz. Like, I don't so, know how she would handle monster cat jizz. <laughs> Did you guys have you both watched Bridgerton? Have you talked about it at all? You no. and Aaron. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, Aaron you has watched, watched, watched the whole it. thing. Okay. I actually, I haven't yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'd be interested to know what she thinks about about that. We had a very long conversation. <laughs> Our episodes have recently been very jizz heavy. They have. <laughs> oh, because of all the pulling out. Yeah. Yeah. He just he just pulls out and like turns um, uh, to the yeah, side like on the sheet. Yeah, yeah, yes! yeah, yeah. yeah. That, it's everywhere. That's how it's described in the book as well. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about like their staff who has to clean up after them. They're yeah. just on this sex rampage all over the, their manor. He's just coming oh, yeah. everywhere, spraying that it. Is oh, yeah. My husband's big pet peeve with anything. Like if there's like a big parade scene, he's like, who's going to clean that up? If there's a building <laughs> yeah. destroyed in an Avengers movie, he's like, who is going to clean that up? Yeah, That's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. someone's no. job. I love that about it. So Aaron. we were watching Bridgerton yep. thinking like, who is going to clean that up? <laughs> also, I fucking love Tiffany Rice. Oh my gosh. Thank she is you. She is a goddess on this earth. <laughs> like, I seriously, Tiffany Rice is so completely and utterly talented and the the breadth that she can write well in is just crazy you know like we've read um we've read just like really short harlequin blazes that she did they're like little holiday books and they're totally mm-hmm. contemporary mm-hmm. nothing really going on in them they're so good and then we've read you know the red and i've read the rose i'm going to read the pearl like all of those she does bdsm so well and she represents mm-hmm. the kink community so well like She's just, she's so incredibly talented. Yeah. I'm listening to The Pearl right now. The Rose is like one of my top 10 favorite romances now. Oh, yeah. I love Mm -hmm. it so, so much. Okay. So I know this is probably (laughs) hard since you're a hardcore stan of this book, but do you have a worst half of this pairing? Of course I do, Meg. Come on. It's (gasps) a sock. Come on. It's the suck from start to finish. No, he is mired in such paternalistic, toxic masculinity. And I'm not saying it's his fault, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but, but he, 
you know, he's never been trained on how to use words and how to say his heart feelings out loud and all of that. Heart and yet that's not even the problem with him. He's fine. He he can show you he loves you in any love language. It's just like getting him to tell you shit that like really impacts your health and safety that he won't talk to you about. Yeah. Because he wants to do a big protect. Go fuck yourself, Nasak. Don't do that. <laughs> Take that. No. <laughs> And meanwhile, Kim, like, and and Kim is really awesome because she's so self-reflective. You know, mm. she has such a mm-hmm. good sense of who she is and what she needs and how to navigate a scenario in order to honor herself as well as be conscientious to the other person's feelings. So, mm-hmm. you know, Nasak does come around and he becomes a teammate, but he is absolutely hands down the worst half. He makes some good progress on the not lying and like um, of course calling yeah. himself out for it, which I can respect. But I also I also picked Nasak just it on the unanimous. basis of if you're gonna come on someone's front door, you're gonna be the worst half for me. Ah! <laughs> yeah, because she had to clean that up. Yeah. Wow. Did they even supply them with cleaning solvents? (laughs) That that wasn't even on my radar, you two. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a hello should come before marking your territory. Yeah, like maybe you speak a word or two. Maybe maybe you introduce yourself. He's a cat. (laughs) I I just... Is there do cats not like nuzzle first, do something before they say, okay, like this is where I will pee now? I'm actually unsure about cat courting practices. I've never (laughs) paid much attention except to when they're screaming behind my house. That's when I really start to notice what cats do. All right. Do we all agree on the honorable sizzle as well? I think so. Oh, yeah, it's Pathaya. It's got to be without Bataya. question. Yeah. 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 But if I had to pick a runner up, which I did not realize that the the three brothers, three pirate brothers already had their own books, I would have picked one of them because I thought they were just like really charming and sweet and like a little They're truly rough. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. How did they have a human little sister? Was she an adopted Oh, I sibling? know this. So I read her book. Um, yeah. Okay. So here's what happened. They were on a pirate run and they overtook this ship that turned out to be a slaver ship. And most of the women on board were adults, but then she was 10 years old, I think 10 or 13, 10. Mm. And so they, they sort of like, I think they like sold the rest of the ladies, which has always really got me. Um, And then they, basically adopted her because they, you know, they weren't going to put her off into be a sex slave, essentially. And so since then, since after that, they started realizing like, wow, humans are people and slavery is bad. And so they've been sort of on the front lines of, of getting humans that are in trouble if they come across them and getting them to safety. Um, but yeah, so then, so she then grew up on their ship with the three of them and she became this whiz navigator and her book is so fun. Um, and it's, yeah, it's great. Do you remember the title of her book? Nope. 
Let me look. I can find out. I now want to go back into the Dixon hole after reading this. (laughs) Deep into the Dixon hole. Okay, so let me look. It is the Corsairs series. Um, I think it's Deceiving the Corsair. Let me look. Wait, wait. Yeah, it's Deceiving the Corsair. And, okay, so his name is Centaur. Her name is Zoe. I've added it on Goodreads. And she catfishes him. They fall in love over the comm system, and he thinks that she's a uh, a Misaka as well. And then he keeps on wanting to meet, and she keeps on being like, it's totally impossible. Oh, no. (laughs) And then when they finally do meet, he realizes that she's a human, and she realizes that he's the last single dude on his ship, and all of the other dudes are married to human women. So, like, it's not, you know, he's he's a little bit weirded out because she thought or he thought she was Misaka, but um, then he's like totally fine with it. So, Aww. so wait, is mm-hmm. does Bathia have her own book, or do we just see her in other books? We, I have not seen um, a Bathia okay. book. She shows up in Sophie's book. Sophie, the girl who um, gets saved this time. Mm-hmm. I think Sophie's the mm-hmm. one who ends up on a junk planet and falls in love with the um, the broken down. Uh, Masaka there and mm. Bathia is his cousin wow I'm in deep mm. wow <laughs> I applaud you it's really, really Melody has a murder board in her home <laughs> I do I there's a lot of red string I've invested in red string everybody so I have a pretty strong I think fan casting for Bathia so if we want to talk about fan casting I also have a very strong yet unexpected fan casting for Bathia. My fan casting is the fan casting to end all fan casting. So I will take all you bitches on. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wait, do you, do you two also not have a fan casting for Kim? Cause I don't. Oh, I I have one for Kim. Kim. Really hard time with that one. And I just kind of was like, "Eh, how about this person? I landed on one for Kim. I feel pretty good about. Right, okay, cool. so you're going to kick our asses is what you're saying. So tell um, me who you cast for Bathia. For okay. Bathia, I had Aubrey Plaza. <gasps> oh, I could see that. Okay, I could definitely yes. see that. And actually, now that I think of it, Anna Kendrick would be a really good Kim. That's true. I think that's... So I had Jennifer Lawrence for Kim, but I think Anna Kendrick is better. Yeah, because Kim seems a, bit, seems a bit more mousy. Yeah, I think in so. A, in a good, hot way. All right, everybody, don't don't <laughs> at me. I love Anna Kendrick, but Aubrey's like she can do mousy though. She's got the like shit eating type, like tongue in cheek yeah. attitude. I think she could just pull it off, and I would love to see her like kick some ass. She's also very sexy. Also, that. oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. All right, what else you got? How about you, Melody? All right, should I do Bathia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm coming in hot, <laughs> and it that is Robert Sheehan. <gasps> I love Have you him. seen Umbrella Academy? Yes. Have you seen Umbrella Academy and anything else he's done? He is the um the guy who can see ghosts in Umbrella Academy. He's like the sort of flamboyant, um, turns into a hippie. He's wonderful, and he would make the perfect Bathia. Come at me. I support this. I came to love him in the show Misfits, if you ever watched that one. 
Oh my god, I yeah. love Misfits, but nobody knows know. that show. Oh my gosh. He's so Barry. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He's so good. Yeah. Okay. I, I support this gender version of Bathia 100 percent So for Bathia, I picked Maggie Q. Maggie Q. Maggie Q. I'm she is an actress really known for her action stuff. She was oh, yeah. in Nikita mm-hmm, and Designated Survivor. She yeah. could totally play a badass bounty hunter. And I feel like she could do that sort of like sassy, sarcastic thing that Bethia has going on. Uh, she, I, I don't know. I feel like she would look really good in blue body paint. For sure. Without question. I mean, I'm not arguing with you there. So I feel like I have to eat crow because my casting's really good, but both of you had very good, thoughtful castings. How about... I think what you're looking for, the word you're looking for is better. (laughs) But you know what? Different. Different. I'm not going to police your vocabulary. (laughs) Okay? Sorry. (laughs) Okay. I have got... To know who you all cast for Nasakh. Joe Manganello. Okay. Yeah. That's a strong casting. He's played a werewolf. He could play a were cat. Yeah. Yeah. I see He's it. Absolutely. Big. He's got I like big that a lot. biceps. He is, as described in True Blood, built like a door. <laughs> he does. He has a mane. Yes. He has great hair luscious hair yeah luscious that's good you're you know what you're right this is a great <laughs> casting and i am ashamed i didn't who think do you it. have um i have i have two different dudes one of them is also from the umbrella academy which is like a weird but um okay so one of them is tom hopper and i think it's only because they they like body they they costumed him into like this big beastly dude and he he sort of does like the sweet derpy kind of character fairly well, uh-huh. you know. So he's oh, okay. He That's like one on of them. in Game of Thrones. Okay. His yes. bicep is yes. pretty good. He was also that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's all costuming. You got it. Now for my next for my next pick, which is really <laughs> I think the one that wins. You got to you do have to think of costuming, okay. all right? However, Henry Golding oh. from Crazy Rich Asians. And a simple uh, favor. I think he would make such a wonderful. Yes, he was also in A Simple Favor, which Anna Kendrick is also in. Um, yeah, Henry Golding, he can do like the sweet, thoughtful, yet very stubborn characters mm. really well, mm-hmm. I feel. And I, I don't know. I think that I think he'd be mm. great. I can see that. Plus, you know, who doesn't want to sit on his face? <laughs> Lord knows I do. Yeah. (laughs) How about you, Meg? I'm. I already shamefully walked you through my attempts at visualization, which then landed on the cartoon. If you say James Corden, no, 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 (laughs) stop it. I, I seriously, I had such a hard time with it because, like, I think I kept picturing him much more cat-like than human-like and it became a barrier for me so okay. i i do not have a casting for that i'm so sorry how about Fair for enough. our 
Kim. So I think I think your Anna Kendrick suggestion is way better than my Jennifer Lawrence suggestion. Do you have one that's going to knock our socks off? I'm not sure. So I landed on Kelly Marie Tran because oh. I think that she could play someone who would daintily hire a bounty hunter and think that it's a great idea, but could also be like tough enough to want to learn how to train with weapons and to be like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to murder you now. I'm very sorry about that. Um, I keep picturing her character in Star Wars yeah. as being very Kim-like. I could see that. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, so I could see her playing someone who really contains multitudes, who's, like, very sweet and gentle, but also tough, but also, like, secretly writes erotica, but also is, like, really embarrassed about it. Totally. Oh, so that's we have that. to talk about totally. how Kim is basically writing Outlander fan fiction the whole time. <laughs> She's writing a Highlander Times book. It's so I good. Love it. I think that's so great. And the fact that I that's love that how... she's writing as a public service. Yes. Because yes. the human women don't have a lot of yeah. entertainment. Okay, so were there any particular scenes that you guys have bookmarked as rereadable scenes? Besides all the jizz. I do have one scene that I don't know why it it hit me so much, but it's just like this small scene. It's after he comes out, um, <laughs> after he comes out of the field, having dug up the dude and cutting off his foot and he's all naked and dirty and stuff. And she's like, um, a little a while later, she's like, hey, and by the way, stop being naked in front of Bathia. I don't like you being naked in front of her. I don't like people looking at what's mine, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, he's like, is she jealous? Hope blooms in my chest. <laughs> it will not take long to win my Kim back at all. If you are asking if I will cover my warrior so she will not be overwhelmed with the magnitude of it, then I agree. This is wise. <laughs> Thank you, Kim says. I do not want her falling in love with me, I add boastfully. <laughs> it's so Melody, will you narrate just... my audiobook? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I will. I am available for cool. hire. You can send me a rate sheet. <laughs> also from that scene, I loved when, um, so she's like washing him and it's kind of like a reconciliation between them. He's like, aren't you mm-hmm. going to wash my, <laughs> and what if it's very dirty? And she's like, if it's dirty, I'll wonder what you were doing with it out in that field, digging up that body. <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh-huh. I just really liked that repartee. But the scene that I thought was like that really got me in my heart feelings was in the epilogue when he's training with their kids and he's like (gasps) showing his daughters how to fight and they're just being like good parents together and they're a team. (sighs) That really made me feel things. You know what? That also that also got me because I really, really related to having like a more bloodthirsty daughter Mm -hmm. and then a more sensitive son. And I just loved that. 
I love the growth that that showed at the right. end because he has overcome his toxic masculinity so much so that he's completely okay and celebrates his son's personality. And his son like doesn't care about mm-hmm. the fighting. He's like, you guys go fight, enjoy. And he's, you know, drawing flowers and being adorable. And he's much more nurturing. And then his two little girls are like the bloodthirsty, (laughs) hit it with a stick kind of kids. And I just, I loved that they were allowing their kids' personalities to lead their parenting Mm -hmm. because it's very much the kind of parenting that that I subscribe to. And it was very, it was very nice. I also liked seeing how their relationship changed because I don't think it's like, totally a reasonable expectation but it's often kind of painted that way I feel like in some of the books in our genre where it's like we're just as hot and horny for each other as ever and they still are but they have to like do it quickly like during nap time and like that their kids are their priority but they're still like very much in love (laughs) it has to be quieter (laughs) these days Oh, oh oh I'm sorry and then the other completely rereadable scene is when they're when they're on the ship and he's trying to get her to tell her tell him what she wants and she she does all of that really funny gladiator <laughs> dirty talk it's just everything about it is wonderful and i can only imagine how everybody outside the very thin walls feels hearing her say all of those ridiculous things oh my gosh it's poor so bethaya <laughs> Oh boy. I love that Bethia said, next time, can you at least like say my name <laughs> while you're doing it so that I can yeah. feel like I'm participating? Uh, I love, I love that. Uh, yeah, my most re- okay. rereadable scene would be the handcuff scene. It was just so sweet. Yeah. Yes, very sweet. And it made so much sense to me. Meg, do you have a recipe? I don't have a particular recipe, but I wanted us to talk about meat pockets. <laughs> okay. Meat pockets. I was trying to think like, okay, like they're steaming on the counter, they're they're bread wrapped around meat. I'm like, what what's like the most similar thing that it is? And then it got me thinking like there are a billion different things that we eat that are meat pockets. Which <laughs> are meat like pockets. Like dumplings, potstickers. Yeah. Like dumplings, potstickers, empanadas, Cornish pasties, hot pockets, which I think is what meat pockets are based on, pizza rolls, pigs in a blanket, arepas. There's just like a billion different. Oh, corn dogs. They're sort of a meat pocket. Oh, corn dogs. What am I Morning missing? Star makes a great veggie corn dog. They do. Anyway, I just wanted to know what your all's favorite variety of meat pocket was. Oh, I'm a dumpling. A dumpling. Oh, yeah. What kind of filling in your dumpling? I love a dumpling. Any dumpling. It does not matter. <laughs> Put a dumpling in front of me. You can steam it. You can pan fry it. You can turn a dumpling into a pot sticker, and I will still love it. Mm. Dumplings. We have at least 15 bags of dumplings in our freezer right now. Ooh. We're a dumpling household. That's a good kind of household to be. I think mm-hmm. other than ground beef empanadas and pot stickers, mm. which we've already covered, I would say croquetas. Would that count as a meat pocket? Mm. I don't know. Describe it. A ham croqueta. It's like basically like cut up ground ham that's like breaded and fried. But it's more of a like 
granular breading as opposed to like a puff pastry breading. Oh, yeah. Like a corn mealy type? Yes. Okay. Something like that. So I don't know if that counts. So if it doesn't count, I would say a ground beef empanada, especially if it has something sweet in it, like a couple raisins thrown in. Ooh, yum. No, especially since we're talking about an alien meat pocket. <laughs> we don't, that's not wheat. What's that bread made out <laughs> of? True. It totally counts. Algae. Totally counts. Whatever kind of breading you want to put around that meat, <laughs> you do it, and we will count it. Well, I do have a, a recipe that we can share for these Argentinian-style empanadas that do have – they have olives and they have raisins in the filling, so we can share that recipe. It's yummy. Whoa. Melody, did you think of a snake tongue sex toy, or do you have I a different I didn't think one? of a snake tongue tornado situation <laughs> – I didn't think of that. No, but um, the Satisfier Pro 2, uh, I have a friend who posted about it recently and she said that it will, if you put it on the highest setting, it will rip an orgasm out of you. <laughs> so if you like, if you like that suction nonsense, the Satisfier Pro and the Satisfier Pro 2, it's gonna do it for you. That's, so that's my, that's my budget option. Um, and then if you have a little bit more cash to spend, um, Laura DiCarlo also has a just a um, suction clit stimulator called the Bocce. So, okay. So are you going to do Terra? Yes. And I have a very cool deck for this. I'm going to put on my really unflattering light so you guys could hopefully see the cards. This is the Neon Moon Tarot deck by Pixel Cult. He has a website and he's also on Etsy, Ooh. which is where I got it. They shuffle like a dream, and the concept is like a cyberpunk dystopian deck. Perfect. <gasps> Fun. It's all black and pink and purple, so it's very like bisexual colors. Mm -hmm. I'm into the palette, and it's all... I think that the... um, So the cups are vials. The swords are... I should just look at the book because it's been a while since I looked at it. The wands are wires. The pentacles are zent. So that's like the currency in this futuristic dystopian world. And the swords are arms. So it's like guns and stuff like that. Cool. And instead of pages, knights, kings, and queens, they have apprentice, agent, supervisor, and executive. So it's very, it's a very like capitalism is evil and like the haves and the have nots kind of deck. And there's mm. a cool story that's woven throughout Eat the it. rich. Eat the rich. It's a very eat the rich deck, which I'm in favor of. I think that the rich are great filling for empanadas. <laughs> Agreed. I'm with you on that one. So I was trying to think of a different kind of spread that I could do for them, and I couldn't think of anything. So I'm just going to do my usual one card for each of the coupling and then an advice card. Melody, since you are the guest, left, middle, or right? Right. Okay. So for Nisak, we got the Empress card. And she's just like chilling out, Gorgeous. listening to headphones. Cool. I feel like Nasak has made this little paradise for himself with his plants and his meat stock and now his mate. And he has 
the Empress is a divine feminine kind of card, and he's really, like you said, Melody, gotten out of that toxic masculinity and built a more, like, nurturing mm-hmm. kind of way of relating to people. Mm-hmm. And of yeah. not being paternalistic, of really, like, working with people um, instead of trying to just protect, 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 which would be, like, the Emperor card. So I think that that one works for him. And yeah. then for... Kim, we have the Ten of Wires, which would be the Ten of Wands. And it's a, can you see that? Mm -hmm. There. So it's a man who's working very hard, dragging this like ball behind him with some pulleys. And I think that the description of this in the book is like, he has to carry these wires to connect the internet in this dystopia. So he has to do that all day. And Kim is a mom to triplets and about to be a mom to at least one more. We don't know. Um, so she, she's always busy. She's always working really, really hard. She has this good support system with Nisak, but she's probably exhausted and needs time for herself so that she can focus on her writing and other things that bring her joy. And then for advice for them we got the executive of arms which would be the king of swords Hmm. that makes me think of so swords are all intellect and that makes me think that they probably need to hang out with some grown-ups because they have so (laughs) many children so that they i once saw a woman with her family in the airport and i'm not mom shaming at all but she i noticed her speaking to her husband and any other adult she encountered the exact same way that she spoke to her children yeah and i i think like i wonder like does this woman have any adult friends like is she just like so focused on her family that she's kind of forgotten how to communicate as not mom so Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that they have some friends with farms who they can chat with and drink wine and play snap slapjack and that they can have some yeah interesting intellectually simulating conversations because they both have really interesting backstories and they are multifaceted so i hope they get to enjoy that oh my gosh i the other day um a lady in my pandemic pod came to pick up her child mm-hmm. who was over at my house And I hadn't switched gears yet in my brain. And so I went to go hand her something to put in the backpack to like pack up. And I was like, oh, here you go, sweetie. And then I was like, (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's very much like signing off the phone with a coworker saying, I love you. Like it's hard to, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Completely. So luckily I actually, I decided before I had kids that, um, I was going to talk to them as if they were adults from birth as much as possible because a, it's really good for their development to like, you know, hear somebody address them as like, you know, a person and not a baby. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also it really does cut down on the amount that I talk to adults in like a baby voice because I don't use a baby voice with my kids. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's helpful. I am not a mom yet. I hope to be one day. And I feel like for me, it would be difficult to switch back and forth because I'm kind of someone who I change the way that I speak based off of who I am talking to. Like I really start mirroring them a lot. 
And I feel like adding in tiny humans would become like very exhausting. And I would just mm-hmm. be like, nope, you're getting this. <laughs> okay, Melody, where can people find you? And do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah. Okay, so you can find me over on Heaving Bosoms everything we've got the podcast and then um on instagram we're at heaving bosoms um on twitter we're at heating underscore bosoms we have a facebook page and we have a facebook group the heaving bosoms geriatric friendship cult (laughs) and uh, our website is where you can get to like all of our other stuff whether it's um our charity fundraisers or you know all of that and that's um heaving bosoms.com and yeah i'm over there (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You can find us on Instagram at makeoutalreadypod. You can find us on Twitter at makeout underscore already. You can find us at our new website, makeoutalreadypod.com. And if you listened to our last episode and you also were obsessed with WandaVision like I was, and you want to hear my thoughts on it now that it is wrapped up, I was a guest on our friend Bryson's podcast, The Pretty Good Podcast, and I will link that in the show notes. We talked all about WandaVision, the LaWanda and Vishon memes, and what we think this means for the MCU going forward. And we got a little bit into romance and feminism stuff that came up in WandaVision. So go check that out. It was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much, Melody, for joining us again. We love having you. you. Oh my gosh. Thank Such you for an honor. giving me an outlet to squee about this book because I I I might ruin my friendship with Aaron if I asked her to do it. <laughs> you two are solid. There's no way she's going down with that ship. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I I also I don't want to test it, you know? <laughs> so this That's was a perfect place (laughs) so thank you so much for having me back (laughs) we had so much fun come back anytime Aaron open invitation come on we will read something where no one gets stuck to the sheets with cum yes we will (laughs) pre-screen it for sticky factor it's fully Melody's wheelhouse that is not a place Aaron wants to be